Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about the errata that came out for the Player's Handbook, the Dungeon Master's Guide, and the Monster Manual, as well as putting pop culture references into your games. gentlemen welcome to the saturday morning DD show my name is jordan with a silent ph in the middle and i am joined always by my wonderful co-host sir lucian over at sir lucian gaming say hello sir hello good morning and from snowy michigan oh is you, you got snow, snow huh oh yeah lots of it <laughs> oh we've got snow jordan we've got snow so i'm gonna get out of studio mode so that i can see your wonderful face learning all of the ins and outs of obs this morning it's really exciting um, yeah, and this is the Saturday Morning D&D Show. For those of you new to the show, we talk about D&D news, we talk about games that we're running, and kind of expand upon what it means to be a dungeon master uh, in the the world of tabletop role-playing games, because uh, we kind of hit walls. I think all dungeon masters hit walls, or they, or they come across things that they're just like, did I do this correctly? Did I not do this correctly? So we kind of talk about all the different aspects of that um, through our own games that we're currently running. Um, but first, we're going to start with some D and D news. As I bring up a window that has all of uh, my notes in it. So, what <laughs> happened in the world of D and D, Mister Lucian? Well, it's been a busy week, I think. Um, especially from our notes, we've got uh, we got some more information about the RPG sports, and we know that there's some matches coming up. Um, they had one already, right? Yeah, one has happened last week was the first one, uh, so which is was that, funny. Is that on Twitch or where is that located? Because like, I totally missed it. I was like, this I thing happened it. and it just like went right over my head for how much publicity they were doing with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was funny because when I went to dinner with the WebDM guys, that's what we talked about was the RPG show and that um, how it had went down and some of the changes they were making and and he they had been talking to grant who's the dm of it because they mm -hmm. ran their first one to really figure out okay what's going on um so it was interesting and i know there's one today and i haven't found where it is online i really should go look for it um i'm gonna watch the one today it's like at 2 p.m eastern or 3 p.m eastern something like that you can see it out on twitter i'm gonna check that one out live and see how that goes and hopefully when I see that when they're live this afternoon, I'll be able to find where the other one is because I'd like to see what the first one looks like. Yeah, no, I I'm very curious about it, so I would I would also like to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, an interesting take because I mean it's it's a controversial kind of move at the moment when um like it, the, even it kind of started. Remember when the Hasbro CEO put out the tweet about they're really going to start pushing. Um, you know, the, the two brands and they want to really double down on the esports part of it. And then everybody blew up about what we're going to get esports in Dungeons and Dragons. That doesn't work. That doesn't go together. Mm -hmm. And this kind of came on the heels of it, caught some of that fury. And then even when I talk to our fans off and on in the, either the show or during the streams or whatever, where I talk about it, it's real 50, 50, you know, like some are like, I'm interested to see what it is. Some are like that should never happen in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. It's only a friendly um cooperative game it can't be competitive you know this whole thing so it's 
it's definitely one of those things that maybe divides the community a little bit with at least the way their opinion is. Yeah, and a lot of people were saying that the the rules of Dungeons and Dragons were not meant for player versus player. So the fact that you're implementing this is like that's not the design of this game. And so why why do it? Like why not design a game that is about this? Um, and it's but it it also just kind of feels like it's for fun, and. The people that are hating on it, I'm like, well, why can't you just know that it's for fun? Like, you know, people, uh, it's because it all comes down to dice rolls. It's not like a regular MOBA or something where there's actual skill involved and clicking fast. And, you know, I watch the streamers of StarCraft and their hands just go all over the keyboard because they're constantly doing stuff in esports. Um, this is just kind of, it seems like it's for fun. And it's the same thing when Wizards of the Coast was streaming um, I forget when, when they were doing this, but it was monsters versus monsters. And so yeah. they would have one Wizards of the Coast employee and another one, and they'd be like, you're a beholder and you're an illithid. You guys are going to fight. And they would use their monster stats to fight against each other. But it all just came down to dice rolls. Like there's there's a little bit of strategy, but in the end it's, oh, cool, you rolled a 20, you got ahead of me, you know? Yeah, and – I think the difference comes from, and this came up in the in the dinner we had, dinner conversation was, the minute you put money involved with somebody that can win, there's a five thousand dollar pool for this tournament. Yeah, things get serious. Things get yeah. different. Yeah, the a lot of stuff can happen at that point. And I was really worried. Like the point I kept bringing up was, it's a game about subjective reasoning, right? Because you say. I want to do this to the to the dungeon master and they have to make a subjective decision to say yes or no and how well something might work like that and what's the DC to do it. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden now you have one player that wants to do something against another player and another player wants to say, well, wait a minute, don't I get more cover because of this or don't I get this? And the right. other one's saying, well, wait a minute, I have, I can do this and this. And now you're in the middle to make a very subjective call against two people that are trying to win $5,000. Yeah. Unlike <laughs> a magic that. tournament where we have like rules for magic, the gathering very specific. And so when it comes down to, well, what do the judges say? The judges flip through their rule book and they're like, no, this person trumps this person because of, of X, Y, and Z. And it's yeah. very like, Oh, you know, I might not be happy with the result, but at least it wasn't. Yeah. Um, just somebody's opinion, you know? Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. So in saying all of that, like um, what I did this week, and we're going to get to it a little bit later, is I ran a group of my players through an esports <laughs> oh, adventure crazy. this week to try it out to see. So I'm not just talking out, you know, the side of my mouth or or like talking without av- having actual knowledge. We ran an actual kind of PvP version of a game on Thursday night, which I think we'll get to that a little bit later on when we get through the news. But I'll tell you all about it. So that way I at least have, I felt like I needed to have uh, 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 a foot in the door, a horse in the race, whatever the the different analogies you can use (laughs) to make sure that I'm speaking on this knowledgeably of like, what did my players like? How did it go? Was it fun? Was it not fun? Where are the problems? Those kinds of things. But yeah, it's interesting. If you want to see a match today, whether you like it or not, and it's okay not to like it. There's nobody that, you know, you should never be talked into saying you have to like this or you're not a real Dungeons and Dragons player. Or even the other way to say, hey, you're not a real Dungeons and Dragons player because you like esports. That's none of that's true. This is all about personal taste and what you like, what type of game you like. Maybe you like a more combat oriented game with less RP. 
I know right now most games are real heavy RP, and a lot of people love that, but that's not always how the style of game has been. And you may be feeling left out if you're that really heavy combat person who doesn't really care too much about RP. And maybe this is more a little bit of your jam um, of what you do. So just find what you like because there's a lot of cool stuff out there. And I don't think we need to you know, bash each other if we like different things. Nope. I agree. <laughs> um, just play how you want to play. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I then also there, this was interesting. Um, I, you'll, you'll know more about this than I do probably, but the Make a Monster Contest... Yeah, so they they did a the Photoshop program itself kind of did a contest that also you could win five thousand dollars and have your creature um, put into a upcoming book. They didn't say which one, but you could have one of your own creatures. I believe it ended on Friday, so all submissions had to have been in oh, okay. last night. So when I added this, I was thinking that you still had a little bit of time because you were allowed to download Photoshop for a free thirty day trial. They gave you all the things to kind of use and you could pick and choose, but then you could go in and make some creatures. What I thought was interesting and the thing I definitely want to keep on top of is I'm interested to see what the submissions look like. Cause I'm hoping they show, you know, here's the top 10 or here's a list of where all the submissions came in so that we can go back and look at them. Because even if they don't win the contest, I bet there's some really cool nuggets of artwork where you go, Oh, that gives me a new cool idea because these are for new monsters. It was, it wasn't for an existing monster. So it was for creating a brand new monster, which I thought yeah. was, we're always looking for as dungeon masters to find something that our players have never seen or have never had to tackle. So I'm going to try to keep my eye on it. And if I ever find a list of here were the submissions for this contest, I'll definitely bring it to the show. And so we can post it. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Um, there was some Unearthed Arcana that came out. I feel like we were getting a lot of Unearthed Arcana and maybe that was just before Xanathar's came out. So they were really like, let's play test everything. Um, and now it's like once a month if we're lucky. And well, and it's well, it's supposed to be the second Tuesday of a month. Okay, I heard Jeremy Crawford say this on their Q and A this past week, and they are trying to be really good about if they're not going to have it on the second Tuesday of the month that they will let us know ahead of time. But I think but last the most month, part, last yeah, month was. Um, stuff from wayfinders guide and it was like a lot of people were upset because the unearthed arcana was like here's all these magic items that are already in the wayfinders guide that they want you to play test so they can fine tune them but then the people that bought wayfinders guide were again just kind of like oh you're giving this away for free and i already bought this pdf so it was really i was happy to see this month that it was something new and something uh somewhat useful if you want to run uh ship battles high sea adventures kind of stuff yeah, and a friend of our show, uh, PB, she did a big live stream going through the rules. And one of the things that I noticed is everybody kind of keeps seeing this as um, ship rules for ships that sail on the sea. But as Mike Merle said in his his show this week, these were the very first steps. These are vehicle rules. They only released the ship part because he didn't want to get things confused with all of the feedback, like, here's how it worked when we were using carts and wagons and battle trains and whatever. Here's how it worked when we use ships. Here's how it worked when we use airships. Here's how it worked when we maybe use some spaceships of mm -hmm. some sort. So it's actually something Mike has been working on quite a bit to get vehicle rules into the game. But they started with something that had an anchor for most people to grab onto, which was ship rules. And most people took that to be like seagoing ship rules. But I 
I could tell that this is a set of rules that's a much bigger thing that they plan to bring out. Now, is it going to be in a new product of some sort? It has to be of some sort if they're going to bring out, you know, some type of ship rules. It won't get added to the player's handbook. It's got to get added to something else somewhere down the line. So maybe like a Xanther's Guide, uh, you know, for whatever we bring out next year or something like that. Yeah, something, it feels Dungeon Mastery though. Like something that they would release for Dungeon Masters as opposed to players. So not a Xanather's Guide, but like dmg2 or something with like extra rules for various combat situations such as like you know and then you can have your mad max style road race trip in the desert and like have right. D with or that a campaign setting that has lots of vehicles in it and what kind of campaign setting do we know of that has lots of vehicles in it well eberron but yeah, what else and spell jammer oh spell jammer of course yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, with the, and then there's rumored to be a helm, um, which is the Spelljammer, uh, basically pilot station. You sit in this chair and you can control your Spelljammer ship. And I think there was rumored to be one in, um, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. And so everyone's just like going Spelljammer crazy, but I really don't, I, for all the hints and stuff that they drop, I just don't see them. Um, well, at the same time, I think we've talked about it before that it's like, why aren't they competing with Starfinder? um D D, and so this would be an easy way to compete with starfinder but then do they really need to compete with starfinder like are are people itching for that sci-fi dungeons and dragons experience there it is I, I don't know if it's like the the two words you said sci-fi dungeons and dragons experience but i think there's a lot of people clamoring for the sci-fi experience yeah. and we know that because cypher system is so popular um, the strange, all these books that came from Monty Cook, and they're kind of into this sci-fi fantasy area. We know, like you just said, Starfinder, and there's a lot of these Kickstarters kicking off with these um, that are not strong fantasy role-playing games. They're role-playing games of other genres, whether it's superhero, modern day, Cthulhu, all these other things that aren't necessarily Dungeons and Dragons. And why wouldn't the company who created the genre not have some of the leading products, if not at least the top in the top five of those products for those genres. They don't have like a, a top five, you know, sci-fi release for people to really go after, but they're the biggest company. Why wouldn't they? So I wonder if they're, they're trying to lean to that, but they're also, they keep talking about, they want to bring out more setting guides. And I think we're in that phase of 5e, right? Because I think we're, we're far enough into the release of 5e that the things we get now are campaign releases, monster manuals, optional rules, new subclasses, magic items, spells, I mean, and, and adventures. We're not really into we need more rule systems or we need more, um, you know, or we're ready for sixth edition at this point. We're still just filling out um stuff so i think we see a lot of campaign setting stuff and a lot of optional rules stuff coming out it does feel like the next logical step um especially with ravnica coming out to be like hey we here's a campaign setting and then they could do another one and so and a lot of these are just really like beloved settings like there are people just chomping at the bit for dark sun and and, and myself for Spelljammer because i love Spelljammer. so um yeah, be really interesting stuff. Uh, we'll see where it goes. They're they're fun rules though. You should definitely check it out. Um, the ships, uh, Earth Arcana, high, uh, yeah, ships, sea ships, sailing ships. But um, it was it was good. Yeah. Um, there was something. Oh, the Errata. The Errata. That's right. And that's throwing everybody into a tizzy. My players have been contacting me all day about look at this new rule and how I it affects know. my new character. 
I'm just opening it up now. Uh, there's like a couple, and I, I'm really happy that they put new next to the things that they changed this time rather than the last time. Um, but yeah. they they updated the ranger, the Beastmaster Ranger's companion. So well, it has the rules that, yeah. that we talked about last week where you take the dodge action if you don't issue any commands to your pet. Um, so he kind of is, but still has some of the same problems where your pet dies a little too quickly because it doesn't have a lot of HP and, and uh, it's... It's not a good uh, let's throw the pet into battle. It still doesn't feel like that, but they've they've improved upon it and they gave it um, magic damage after a certain level, so it has um, some some extra umph to it. <laughs> it's not gonna yeah. all those monsters that can't get hurt except for magical damage now can because your your pet is uh, has magical damage. So right, and I noticed there was like a lot of um, changing the wording from once per day. It seemed like they were getting rid of that phrase a lot through lots of different areas, so they moved it to once per long rest. Yeah, when you finish a long a rest. Different... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. They changed a lot of that stuff. Um... What was the big bard one? Did they fix the bard one? Because that was the one that everybody was. Uh... It wasn't prayer of healing. Everybody said was broke but i guess that would have been xanathar so this wouldn't be in the xanathar they didn't do anything for this is just player handbook errata monster manual errata and dungeon master guide errata Mm -hmm. so i don't think we'd have an errata for xanathars mordekainans i don't think unless i missed it so um they are not on the errata web page so like i don't know uh i don't think there is but i could be wrong um, no, there is because re- remember when they released uh, they released Xanathar's. There was that one spell that was like a barbarian ability or something that was completely. Uh, it was a huge typo and it caused a bunch of problems. And so they just said like, "Well, we we fixed it in later things." So there's got to be a rata up for that. Yeah, um, it but it's mostly just fixing things, not necessarily changing mechanics and stuff like that. So. Yeah, and the big one that my players were sending me to is that they they're all big polearm mastery. They mm-hmm. love taking that feat, and that was one of the feats that got they added a spear to that feat. So they were super happy about that. So I've been seeing that all morning. For my my players are weird. <laughs> I'm looking at the warlock. It says spell slots on 107. The following text has been uh, appended to the first sentence to cast your warlock spells. Of anyway, but then they said thunderwave has been changed to witchbolt. So did they just change out spells that the that the uh, warlock can get? That could be. Yeah. We'll have to go through it. So if you have your class, you definitely might want to look through the errata because I'm seeing stuff for cleric, paladin, uh, sorcerer, warlock. It's a lot of the mage stuff. Got some changes. Well, and a lot of it is they changed the word your spells to your sorcerer spells or your wizard spells so that it's very specific when you're multi-classing, like what this reflects. Yeah, that makes um, sense. So a lot of that has changed, but yeah, the, the polearm master was changed or updated. Um, I don't know. It's, it's always interesting. And it makes me want to get new books that has all of this stuff in it. Oh, there was actually one thing that I wanted to talk about the creature statistics, um, black bear, the bonus to hit is now plus four brown bear. It's now plus six imp has resistance to cold bludgeoning, piercing, slashing from non-magical weapons. Uh, the riding horse is now plus five for its attack and the war horse is now plus six. So some improvements there from the original one. 
Yeah, and I think those are like common animal companions that you'll see in a lot of um, adventures. A lot of people pick bear as their, uh, or for even druid if they shift into it, or if the the rangers have those pets. And then the horses for all your paladins and your your fighter types that um, will constantly have some type of horse or. That's good for the cavalier. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's good for uh, lots of. Um... Yeah, so the the and to your yeah, point so the riding horse. Go I'm looking at like the older okay. one in my book here. the The riding horse was a plus two to hit, and now it's a plus five. Yeah, that's good. Like that's a big bonus. So I don't know. I don't know if that affects a ranger companion either. Can you have a riding? I guess you could have a riding horse as a. Oh, maybe not because I think it has to be a medium creature or lower, and horses are large because you can run on it. So. Yeah. But yeah, the errata's out there. Um, just Google it and you'll find it. Um, and I would definitely check it out, especially if you play a specific class, because you might have gotten a little uh, bump in abilities or something. So it'd be interesting yeah. to see. And this, all of these updates are in the new printing of the books. So right. any of the books that you're buying now after this has been released, check that date if it's an older one in the game store. But there are brand new books out today at your game store and will be available worldwide Monday, I believe, on like Amazon and all those places. You can get the newer books also with the variant covers. Yeah. So I'm going to go check down to my game store today and see what they've got. And I might do it. And here's the thing. Here's the discussion I wanted to bring up right away about this because all of a sudden it's gotten expensive to be a dungeon master and a D and D fan. Because <laughs> I just picked up guild master's guide to Ravnica this past weekend or so, almost a, a week ago. I just picked up dungeon of the mad mage because I told my, Game store to hold Guildmaster's Guide for me, but then I bought it at GameholeCon, and I felt bad that they held a book for me, so I went ahead and bought another one. So then I picked up... uh, So I've got the hardcover, and then now I'm going to go maybe buy these new books with these alternate covers, and I was trying to play around with the plug-in for Twitch so that when people are watching our streamed games, they could see the character sheets using D&D Beyond. And I go over to D&D Beyond, and to make that work, I've got to buy some of these books to get all of the options that my characters are using. So I've got to buy them another time to see if I can even get it to work on D&D Beyond. And that doesn't include buying maybe a PDF or something else from somewhere else. So it's like, it's gotten super... Oh, and Roll20. I just bought a adventure <laughs> yeah. for Roll20. So I'm like, I'm like having to buy things three times almost to get real use out of them. And at first, I would never have complained, but now I'm starting to, because my wife is certainly going to look at my bank account pretty soon and flip out on the amount of books I bought, in the, and I'm still doing Kickstarters and all this stuff. So I have a problem, and I'll need my, my our audience to help with an intervention because I keep buying d books, <laughs> and I keep you're, buying RPG games. You're like the ultimate uh, Wizards of the Coast um customer I'm a like, they're the one that they yeah. love the most where they're like oh you're buying it on all of our things like that's really awesome <laughs> yeah you got no. all the alternate covers and you got all this other those new covers look really cool they're they're it just feels like dungeons and dragons like it's just it looks really cool it's just a big beholder on the monster manual um a serac on the dungeon master's guide and then some kind of fire giant i think but the the art style is really cool they're almost got like a foil look to them uh, much cooler than the Morden Kanan special cover. I feel like I it kind of matches the Volos cover, and it matches 
Um, the, well, the Xanathar's cover was kind of interesting too, but it matches the Volo's cover, which I really like. And I feel like it, if you have that set, you have like, yeah, but I didn't like the Morden Kanan special cover. I don't know. That was just me. I love the gold and the blues, but you know, you can see the blue in my background. You can see the purple shirt I'm wearing on. That might be part of it. Uh, but these new books are only well the new alternate covers are only available on uh at game stores i think so you won't be able to get those online but if you buy uh and that'll be interesting if you buy online it's going to be hard to be like which which version am i buying because there's obviously back stock of some of these books you know um yeah yeah you want the errata in them so that's why i was saying definitely check the dates of their printing dates on them make sure they're as late as you can find possible and that way you have the errata in them because yeah. um, they should be all new books they're printing should have that stuff in. um and then you could be like jordan who went through his book and wrote little e's next to everything where there was like meaningful errata where they they changed like how something works so that you can go back and be like oh i should probably check how this works et cetera. Et cetera. so yeah It'll be interesting because, again, my wife has a Beastmaster Ranger um, in our game. And so now with that updated stuff, it's going to be like, okay, well, he's got magical attacks now. And that that bonus action of dodge will really help. Um, And kind of now I have to think about it because she rides that that her pet a lot because she's a halfling. Uh, It'll be interesting if the pet takes the dodge action and she's riding the pet. Does she just automatically get the dodge? I don't know. I have to think about that. There's a rule about the attacker gets to choose what they're shooting at when it's a mounted thing. I think they get to either choose the rider or the horse or or the the, the mount. There's some rule that decides, somebody decides who they're shooting at versus you deciding as the person being shot at. Yeah. Um, And then I think if you take the mounted feet, you can control whether it attacks you or your, or your animal or something. So. Um, yeah yeah i don't know lots of rules lots of rules to go into but uh we (laughs) will uh talk about our games next so lucian unless you is there something else no we're good nope that was it there were um mike merle's happy hour they were building a paladin this week if you want to go back and check that out they did another q a with bart carroll and jeremy crawford um, if you're playing Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms, there was a new champion released, which was Satine Phoenix's uh, bard character that she plays. That's been released, so you can go get that. But that that seemed like the card game finally came out that they were playing, and the new alternate covers. I think that was all the stuff that I could think of that would be interesting to our characters. So it was a lot for them um, as they got back from the conventions, and they're all gearing up for PAX Unplugged because there's a ton of people going to PAX Unplugged, and that's the thing we're seeing Next. Yeah, that's coming up at the end of the month, so that'll yeah, be really But I exciting. think that's it for the news. Okay, so cool. So what are you doing in games this week? It sounds like you had a very um, exciting week of games. Yeah, yeah. So we talked, we had a show at Gamehole Con, and we talked, and I got back, and that was cool. And um, the one thing I didn't really talk about in that show that I did want to bring up is I did make a brand new character and it was a tiefling warlock, and I already, since it's Adventure League, I, I've changed it to a wizard war mage because I can never let anything sit. <laughs> I have to go in and tinker. So I've already changed my Adventure League character, but it's an Adventure League character that I'm only going to play at conventions. So hopefully this is like the story of this character who only gets to play at Adventure at, at kind of conventions and stuff like that. So that should be pretty fun. And I'm going back into the War Wizard, and I'm I'm thinking that was a, a Xanathar's Guide subclass that I really enjoyed. 
that is hard to kind of build something when you're as a wizard and a fighter because you want high strength, high dex, high con, but you also want your wizard ability, intelligence and stuff high so that you get all your bonuses for that stuff. So it's been an interesting build, but I, it's been fun to try to, to, to make it work. Um, and then so Monday night was our, our game. We played Seeking Ravener, uh, which is our big West Marches style game. Our players finished up with their uh, big battle that took two episodes to get through. It was epic. They make it out. They they use spike growth and gust of wind and the paladin's fear ability. The conquest, uh, it's kind of like a fear. It's not the actual fear, but it's the, the conquest paladin's ability to get them to go across basically basically like a cheese grater back and forth back and forth taking 2d4 damage the whole time Mm. so they went super tactical on this and i was just thinking about how often do you have to just kind of sit back with your players where they've come up with a really schemey scheme (laughs) (laughs) to really push to be like okay what's going on here because they they i mean they had this huge plan about all these creatures have to go across this spike growth to get to them. That's going to give them a bunch of damage. And then as soon as they get close to us, we'll push them back through it. Or we'll use like um, um, thorn whip to pull them, you know, 10 feet or push 10 feet. And they're doing all this stuff. And as a DM, you want to let them do their plan. But at some point, you don't want them to get all of, you know, you don't want to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah, you want to give it to them a little bit. And then you're like, all right, my creatures are getting out of this and countering it. So how far do you let it go? Yeah. I always play that as how intelligent the creatures are because I've done that with zombies. And I'm like, no, I don't think the zombies are smart enough to get out of the bramble. So they'll just keep taking 1d4 as they run directly in a line to you. But yeah, definitely smarter creatures are be like, I'm going to set this on fire. I'm going to like, you know, get get out of the way or something like that. So yeah, yes. Because I had this urge being tactical, dm lucian to immediately say okay well this guy's only five feet in the circle he's just going to step to the outside and come around and fight him right and i was like because that's tactically what i would do but then i had to do like what you said i had to just think back i pushed myself back before i did it because i want them to have their plans kind of work like i don't just want to shut it down immediately and counter their plan i want them to start to see that fruition of their plan but then something possibly go wrong if it makes sense in the narrative so i did some what I think is a really good GM trick is I made the creatures roll either something like a perception or an intelligence or a wisdom to see, okay, this creature, this magical effect just happened below them. It's freaky. There's a lot of noise going on. There's a lot of flash. There's things dying. There's everything's happening. What does this creature do and how cognizant of it is it in trouble? So like a couple of them missed it. So I pushed them forward and they took more damage. But on their very next turn, I'm like, all right, they're taking a bunch of damage. They got to realize something's going on here. I rolled again. And then a couple of them wised up and realized, okay, if we don't move, we don't take damage. Or if I just get out of this area, which I now see here, I'm no longer in the in the danger. But I allowed the dice rolls to individually pick the creature's kind of decision because if they kept rolling like two of them missed so many times they died by moving around in this thing and just completely died because they moved through the spike growth to the point where they had no hit points Mm -hmm. and it was all because they kept failing this dice roll and in my mind narratively i told my players that this is them panicking like this isn't supposed to be happening they're getting hurt things are happening 
there's magic all around and they keep making the wrong decision about trying to run away, run away. But that was taking them further and further into this patch of death. And I was like, I'm, I'm okay with that. They died. They panicked. They died. They didn't make it out. Whereas the other ones made their roles on the first round and it was like these knolls with bows and they were just like, okay, we'll stop and we'll just start firing our long bows at these guys until this, this thing doesn't move. And so they were a little bit more smart about it. And I felt like the players realized that it wasn't me countering their plan. It was the dice deciding how well their plan worked. Mm-hmm. And after, when I looked back on it, I felt like, okay, I, it was kind of like a pat myself on the back moment. Cause it was just a snap decision in the middle of what's going on. Um, it was like, okay, I did a pretty good thing there because had I just started making choices, then it was me foiling their plan versus as they're seeing dice rolls happening, it's the dice rolls that are foiling their plan or letting their plan work. Right. Yeah, no, uh, it's interesting. <laughs> and it's a, it's a common problem with dungeon masters, I feel. so. Yeah, your players are super smart and they're going to come up with crazy cool loophole ways to do things <laughs> or even just synergy between them you know they they yeah. all of a sudden learn like oh you can lay down spike growth and i can lightning lure them through the spike growth and things like that so uh it's yeah it's really kind of neat stuff so that was fun and I mean, that's um again that's our monday night regular crew we call them the monster squad because there's like you know a gith zarai there's a Furbog, there's a kenku and then two dragonborns. So it's just like a, a full-on menagerie of, of race adventurers there. And then Tuesday night, what feels weird to me is because this whole week has gone by fast and slow at the same time that I feel like it's been two weeks since we've had a show. <laughs> but then I played Adventure League on Anaris' channel where I'm playing my really fun seven, might be eighth level now, um, Barbarian and uh, is the Zealot Barbarian clan. And I love it so much. I put out so much damage with two swords and a sun blade and just craziness. And I'm building up to my next treasure point and we're, but we're starting to have the conversations about slowing the XP down because we don't want to get too far ahead of the content that we're at. And it's really weird when you're playing the, the book adventure league versus the adventures of adventure league. Um, And so we want to make sure, and we have another player that may come back and if they have a second tier, but we've all moved to third tier, there's not a way to bring that second tier along according to the rules. So we're trying to play a very straight Adventure League game in that. So that was pretty fun. Um, we had a puzzle, though, and it ended with a puzzle that brings up something that I thought we could talk about that is an interesting thing, where you go to put in a puzzle or a mystery in your adventure, you've wrote it or you've read all about it. You've read all the clues as the dungeon master prepping it. And you think in your mind sometimes this is going to be pretty easy. They're going to get it. And then you're playing it and it's an hour goes by and your players are just like, we don't, we don't get it. We don't understand what's going on. Right. And you, there's that frustration level because we're just like, we, we don't get it. We don't understand my character smarter than me. Can they figure it out? <laughs> you know, you, yeah. they start coming up with that kind of, kind of idea because at some point players can get stumped and I could tell, and I've been in this position where I've been the DM and I'm like, in Storm King Thunder, it happened. It was a really easy puzzle. And I'm thinking, why aren't you guys figuring this out? And they just were stumped and stumped and stumped on it until I finally just kind of really said, okay, guys, this, this is it. We, we need to get past this. This is what's happening so they can move past it. 
how have puzzles been in your games? Have you done a lot of them? Have you done some of them? Have your players picked up on it quickly or have you had to actually get them through it because they were just baffled? Usually every puzzle I have put in my game has some kind of a time limit on it. And if they don't do it within a certain time, there's whatever the consequences is, whether that's like a trap that opens up or, or an encounter that they have to fight something. Um, so I haven't had those situations where it's just like, we're just not getting it. What do we do? Like, you know, the door is still locked. We don't understand how to open the door. So we're just going to stand here until Jordan gives them a a clue. Like I haven't run into that situation. That was, that was what happened. But that's like, like, it's a common situation for people to happen, you know? And so in my games, I've never, I've never locked a door like that, or I've never, I've never had like a, a situation like that, but I, uh, and uh, to be honest, I don't know. I think I would say, okay, you guys can roll to get some clues and then have them roll an intelligence check or something. But then then you're leaving up to the dice. What if they fail that? Like all of a sudden, is it just like, is this just an insurmountable thing? And maybe they need to go back and get help. Like that could be a situation where it's like, you know, I don't want to go back to the city of Omu because we're in the middle of nowhere. But like we need to go back to something and find an NPC that has the answer. Uh, I don't know. How did, how, how did you end up handling it? Yeah, I think eventually, and here was the thing too, um, that we have to be careful as dungeon masters to not um, keep making comments that make it say like, guys, this is super easy. Oh yeah. Because then yeah. the players are like, why are we so dumb? Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, not the correct way to handle it So at you got to be super careful. And it's not that that happened, but it was getting close to that. Because I could tell um, RGM thought like why aren't you guys getting it? i don't understand I, I i don't know why you guys aren't getting this it's right there he kept saying here's the clues these are the only two clues you need to figure this out it's right there and i'm just like i get it but we're still not getting it. we're still not getting it well we did have an npc that was with us and eventually we weren't going to get it we just were not going to get it no matter what we did and eventually his npc fed us enough that I think he just gave it to us. I don't even think we really figured it. It wasn't like, here's one more clue. Here's one more clue. It was like, I gave you all the clues. If I give you any other clue, I'm just telling you what it is. And that's what it ended up being. And we're like, oh, okay. So now that makes sense. Because it just didn't make sense to us at all the way it was presented. And so we had a talk about it too. We're like, well, is that the fault of somebody who designs the thing? Or can that happen? You can just be stumped. And you're stumped. What do you do? If your adventure is, and this is a slight spoiler, but most people will know this in Tomb of Annihilation, there's a point where you're trying to gather several things before you can move on, right? And if you don't gather that thing, you can't move on. So it's not like something you can just say, well, all right, we'll never figure it out. We're not smart. Our group's different. We'll just leave it alone. You have to figure it out or you Mm -hmm. can't move on. So there has to be something. So it made me think about, What's going to, if I put a puzzle in or I put a mystery in and the players are having a really hard time, I want to be cognizant of, even though I'm making those, and even though I wrote down the things that say, okay, here's the 10 clues they can find. And obviously if they have these 10 clues, it'll be easy for them to figure out. My mindset needs to be, here's the 10 clues, but be prepared if the 10 clues doesn't give it to them either. Like it just, like they could get off on a red herring or something is just not popping up or somebody keeps saying one thing that keeps throwing the group off because their mind is going that way and everybody focuses on that, but then Mm -hmm. you had to come back. So there's a lot of this in Tomb of Annihilation with putting this puzzle stuff in. Don't let it ruin 
your night. Don't let, because we left that, that night kind of deflated a little bit. Like we, we were like, oh, okay. Well, we had to be told what it was. We're frustrated because we couldn't figure it out. We spent two hours of time trying to discuss getting through it, sitting in this room, staring at the puzzle. Nothing's happening. You know, it's nothing yeah. like we're not fighting. It's nothing's happening. We're just staring at it, trying to, does this work? If I touch this, does this work? Should I move this thing? No, it doesn't move. Oh, that doesn't do anything if you touch it. What if I search again? You don't find anything. You know, it's just like, ah. And so that's a frustration. So be careful, you know, uh, for DMs. Like, use this as a cautionary tale. If you have a puzzle in, you have a, a, a mystery, be ready for them to be stumped. Be ready for some way to help move that along so it doesn't deflate the whole thing. Yeah. Absolutely. It reminds me, um, and it's funny that you said this is in Tomb of Annihilation because one of my patrons was having the exact same problem, only I think it was their DM misinterpreted the puzzle. So there was no solution. Like, because the DM in his mind was like, well, the solution is this, but that wasn't actually, like, he misread it or something. And so they were having a really hard problem of, like, there is no solution to this puzzle because you misunderstood how the puzzle works. And so right. something like that could happen as well. <laughs> like yeah. there's lots of situations where this uh, just doesn't work out. And, and I don't know, I'm, as you were talking, I was just thinking about like maybe even just a hot cold, like you guys are getting warmer or like you're getting colder so that they know to go in a correct direction as opposed to just being stumped. But yeah. Or divine intervention. If they have a cleric, yeah. or a paladin or a, you know, a, a, yeah. a spirit to help out, to add in further, or if you have to, and they just, they spend enough time and they can't get through it, find a way to get them through it. Just so it doesn't take, you know, I, I just felt like you don't want your, your game to end on, on a low note. You always want that game to be excited because they want to come back next week and they want to play again next week. If they're excited from what happened the week before, but if it's like just uh, deflation, then all of a sudden maybe somebody has an excuse why they can't make next week's show or whatever. Yeah. And so I always want to be, I'm trying to be more cognizant. And so in my mind, I want to think if I'm going to have to put it in mind, I want to be sure there's a way uh, to help them out. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. so that, that was the big thing I wanted to pull out for that. So as you can see, uh, GM uh, Lucian was learning all kinds of things this week. And then because I had my trip at the end of the week um, for work canceled due to weather on the East Coast, I know the East Coast is getting hit with a pretty big snowstorm over there and ice and rain and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Um, it freed it up. So I decided to put out a note on my Seeking Revenor group and say, hey, if four of you can get together, I've got a special adventure that I'm going to whip up because I was inspired by this RPG sports and talking with Grant and the WebDM guys about it. And I've been reading a book called Sufficiently Magic. And in it, it's kind of like a fantasy Dungeons and Dragons version of a, a maybe Harry Potter, but not necessarily for kid Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. It's not like young adults. It was more like a college, a, a, a magic college that these students would go to. And they would they had this ability to choose what classes they could choose to pick to learn more about magic and what they can do with their powers. And one of them was a dueling class. And so in the book, it talks about this dueling arena where these different students would fight one another and so i took stuff that came from that book about how the arena worked and the things like there were uh what i did is i set up an arena that each of the players would play in and i couched it in an actual rp storyline so the storyline was 
hey, uh, somebody needs you to go out to some farms. They said a stranger has come into town, started causing problems. He looks kind of like an adventurer, so they're asking for some other adventurers to come and and help out with this. Um, so these, you know, just to get him out there. Then when they get out there, the whole place is laid to waste. Everything's on fire. Everything's burned down. And they come across a, a group of people that are cowering before what stands there is a god. And the god, it's a true god, a real god. And he's there about you've been taking from the land, you haven't been giving back, and this is bad. And um, so you need to be punished. And then the, the players come up and I'm like, oh, so you've summoned your champions. Well, I'll let them complete a challenge to see, you know, if I should be lenient for you. So just to give them a way to actually play. So then I teleport them to this kind of arena. And in the arena, it's all sandstone kind of squares, big five foot squares all over. But there's runes placed all over the place in different geometric patterns. If you step on the runes, they do something pretty clear to them. So then I put each player one, you know, one against the other. And the challenge is they have to fight each other and they have to learn about sacrificing is, was the whole point behind it. So they all kind of played in and they're like, okay, let's play this. So we had, you know, like the, the ranger fighting uh, a cleric and a, and a cleric then, and then a, a spell singer fighting a paladin and all this stuff happened, but it was really fun to have these classes fight each other. They were low level. And it felt like they had a ton of fun. And in the first couple rounds of the fights, they avoided the runes that were on the floor and they just fought out in the open areas because they didn't really know what they were. There was no guide to say, this is what this one does. That one of them was like a fire trap. You take 1d6 damage. One of them was a teleport to another rune, a random one. You roll a dice and you just show up on that other rune. One was you step on it and it brings up a big wall in front of you for cover, 10 foot wall by 15 feet wide. And then one of them was you get 10 temporary hit points. So by the by later in the rounds, because they were fighting each other one at a time, they started realizing these runes were helping out. And then there was this epic battle between um, the wizard spell singer and the paladin. Now you say spell singer, you... do you mean blade singer? Blade singer, that's okay. what I'm thinking I always think Spellsinger, just because, yes, Bladesinger. Um, the Bladesinger, and they had an epic battle that went back and forth because they were stepping on runes and they were doing things and they were tactically trying to push each other into the traps and they were dodging and using pets to get the help action and countering each other's special abilities with their own special abilities. And I was just sitting back just as kind of like the referee similar to what I think the RPG sports stuff is doing. Now there's is team based, but this was a one-on-one character based, and it was actually really fun. It was so fun that another group wants to run through it of the group. Cause they're like, we want to try that after I explained it to them. So it helped me realize that be, letting your players be competitive, even in a storyline framework. Um, and I don't know if it's this way all the time. Like, yeah, I don't know if I want to run a campaign where all they do is every night they fight each other you know, uh, gladiator style, that, that might not work, but a once in a while for a storyline or even for just this fun, they actually enjoyed pitting themselves against another character for the first time and having to think about how am I going to beat that other person that normally we're working together and we come up with cool strategies and synergies. How am I going to just focus everything I have on defeating that person, which yeah. is pretty fun. 
No, it uh, slightly reminds me, and I talked about this in an earlier episode, where I had a, a mirror reflect all of my characters, all of my players, and then my players had to fight their like evil doppelgangers. Um, and so it was a lot of player versus player action. And, and I always thought that was interesting is that they, they were like, the monk was like, oh, well, I'll go fight myself when they would have been smarter to, to mix it up and have the monk fight like the ranger that had a lower AC and was able to like take him down. But they all thought it would be fun to like fight themselves. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and some people will think like I was talking to one of our players about it and they were like, oh, well, you know, there's a lot of classes that aren't built for just one-on-one fighting. And he's like, yeah, because he's like, yeah, that blade singer, or even if you did like a swashbuckler, swashbuckler rogue is going to tear everybody up. Because at that low level, you're getting, you always get your um, uh, sneak attack damage. That's huge damage, you know, and you can dive away without taking a, a reaction attack. So it's like, oh, that guy's always going to win. And I was like, no, well, you don't know that because the cleric all of a sudden and the paladin and all these people, they save their abilities and spells to help the team throughout the fight. What happens when the paladin doesn't save any of his spell slots and just starts raining smites down on, on just you and nobody else? Or what happens when that cleric starts just hammering away at you with spells or keeping themselves up and not you? There's a huge dynamic that changes when all of a sudden I'm not saving stuff for later in the fight. I'm only going to send everything I've got at you. Mm-hmm. Wizard magic missile nearly killed people in a one shot. Um, Sacred flame nearly took down one of the other characters in just one dice roll. Had they rolled just a couple more points of damage, person would have went down with one sacred flame. You know, so it was just like this weird back and forth that they had of maneuvering and having fun and fighting each other. And it was cool to let them try to really get that out of their characters and, and play it out. So we're going to do another one maybe tomorrow with the monster squad, see if the monster squad, how well they cool. do. Cause they're third level characters. So that's going to up it. These other ones were first and second level, which was very manageable at that level. I have no idea what would happen if you pitted two 10th level characters against yeah. each other. It could just be a, it could go quick or it could be a slog. Like it could just be like a, a two hour battle that just goes back and forth, back and forth. The final battle between the blade singer and the paladin went back and forth, back and forth, bad rolls, dodges, blocks, all kinds of stuff. They were both down to whoever hit the next person, whoever landed successfully and damaged next would be the winner. And they went a couple of rounds, not hitting each other, not hitting each other. And then finally the blade singer sends it home with a a kill. So it was like, it was really crazy. And they didn't kill each other. They got teleported back and they got all their hit points back. And then, the God gave them leniency for being great champions of, of the farmers. And it was really fun. I got to use a God from the gods and goddesses book that Jetpack seven put out, which is a five E supplement that we talked about that I bought up at Gen Con. It was the God of Inti. He's the God of creation, but a lot of farmers and a lot of ranch type people will, um, uh, will worship or at least pray to them. And so the deal he struck was they have to give up one third of their crop, which is a very, actual historical thing of um, back in kind of the Mayan and Aztec days. So it was interesting. So it was super fun. And I encourage you that if you haven't tried it yet, as a fun one-off, like Jordan had done his with the doppelganger ones, which I thought was really cool. Um, just have an arena fight with them. Let them do it once or twice just to have fun. I think everybody had fun. Nobody came away with it. Like they didn't have fun. They all had a good time. And it might be something you try just to let your players fight each other once or twice throughout your campaign. Yeah, yeah. 
No, it, it made for an interesting fight and my players had a lot of fun. So I think, uh, and, and it's different. It's, it was cool for them to see how tough they were when they fought themselves. So they're just like, Oh my gosh, I have to break a 20 AC. And I'm like, yeah, cause that's what you have, but yeah. you also have like a plus eight to hit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty good. So that was my super busy day. There might be, there was going to be some charity games, but I never uh, got a message back from the person. So I don't know if I was going to be any charity games today. Mm. So the only thing I might do is uh, something tomorrow, but then we'll start up next week with a whole nother round of more gaming and it's Thanksgiving. So my plan is maybe to run even more games than I, than even before, maybe run some really nice, big mega games that take more than just the three hours I've been running now because people could show up at noon and we could play till midnight or something, you know, some type of crazy. That'd be crazy. Game. Yeah. That'd yeah. be fun. So that's, that's what I did all week long. It felt like a long week of fun, long week, but how was Jordan's week in gaming? Well, I don't have a lot to report. Um, I did do that charity game with uh, Ted from nerd immersion, which was really fun. And we did like a three hour, I did a three hour chunk of it. And I played a Yuanti Ranger with a snake companion. Um, and we worked in a coffee shop in Waterdeep called Homebrew was the whole premise. And so all of our all of the adventures that Ted was running was in this coffee shop called Homebrew. And uh, so he kind of gave us a recap of like what happened before we got there. And apparently there's a competitive tea shop across the street. And the players before us decided to just go and like destroy that tea shop because they were saying bad things about coffee. And they ended up fighting like a, a, a boulet or a boulette. How do you pronounce it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I, I would have said bullet, but it's like B-U-L-L-E-T-T or yeah, something Yeah, and I think like the French pronunciation is boulet. And so they, be, yeah. they were calling it a boulet, and then it was actually like a, a mint-flavored one. So they ended up killing it and putting it in this like thing, and it became a creme brulee. Um, and so okay. like lots of funny puns and all this stuff, but it got Show me thinking. Over what <laughs> bad puns yeah over. they were bad puns there were lots of bad puns um but the highlight of the game really was um celeste who is the dungeon master for venture maidens she was playing with us and she uh was playing a monk and ended up ted has these ro- random trinket tables and they could buy trinkets for us the the audience members to help f- for the fundraising for um the stream uh for the charity extra life and one of the things that they rolled on was a like four star dragon ball uh, and so we were just like oh like that's kind of funny and so ted ran with it and he, and she kept finding dragon balls throughout the entire game and the audience was just getting more and more hyped like what if she gets all the dragon balls what if she gets all the dragon balls and so at the very end she got the last dragon ball and it was like, well, we need to make a wish. So we we summoned the dragon from Dragon Ball Z and made this wish. Um, and her wish was to become CEO of Homebrew Coffee. And my <laughs> snake, my pet snake named Bill, was going to become CFO and and in control of, of Homebrew Coffee as well. And we That's just had awesome. a really good laugh about it. And we were going on and on. But it got me thinking, like, do you ever put just weird items like that in your game or like pop culture references in your game? Like it kind of takes you out. And this was a special it takes you out of like the realism of it. But we are just playing a fun, silly game. And it made me want to put like, I don't know, like Excalibur in the game or or something from a video game. And uh, I remember Mike Krahulik was saying that he 
in one of his D&D games, just put all of the boss monsters from World of Warcraft in there. And so yeah. all of his like f- his friends were fighting against World of Warcraft monsters, and they had a great time because they all knew the references, and it was just really fun. So have you ever done that? Have you ever thrown in a Dragon Ball? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've thrown in some hints to pop culture because I, I do try to keep my game pretty rooted in, in the universe. But every now and then I like to use names or something that dr- that I know my players are going to be like when they hear it, they're just going to go crazy. Um, or I don't know if I've done items so much as names of places or the description of a place or like the way the house looks or the way the ship looks. And usually I'll use some type of pop culture reference to, to, to give a nod to something, but not let it take it too far away. Like not like, Oh, you see Mickey mouse walking down the road. All right, let's all have an animaniacs, you know, but I could see where that could be really fun, especially depending on what type of group you're playing with. Yeah. Cause there's, we all are nerds and love pop culture uh references you know if i throw in something like from you know arnold schwarzenegger and the predator my my players are gonna jump all over that or they might like like you said dragon ball z or something from like uh naratu or something just any of these any of these things that are out there that that, uh we love throwing that stuff and that's what dungeons and dragons does right all throughout the books you will find pop culture references (laughs) inside the books too because they they throw those especially chris perkins loves to throw those little tidbits in there and stuff like that too it it's really good for one shots obviously like if you were just like i want to do a predator one shot or i want to do a naruto one shot or something like that and just kind of build and allow your characters to build characters around that um, or allow your your yeah. players to build characters around that is really fun, but uh, yeah, and, and and I don't know, it makes me think like I had a I had a, a one handed warlock um, that w- we named Mark Hamill because he had one hand and he could like summon a sword from nowhere, and it was just kind of like oh that's like funny you know, and you just yeah. drop little things like that. Um, I'm yeah I'm blanking on some of the other stuff that I've thrown in there but I've never gone so gonzo that I'm like no like straight up here are the seven dragon balls like which it really made me want to run another game like that I'm like I want to make a one shot like that where I just take like a movie that I love or a a series or a manga or something and just incorporate it into D&D 110% like I think it would be really fun like all of a sudden everybody has the ability to summon giant toads and you're like, okay, now we're going to like have a giant toad fight and it's yeah, going to be awesome. That's so. cool. <laughs> what I like to use in like, we, I always like to reference, like if I have guards or sheriffs or constables or things like that, I always like to reference things that I know my players are really into. So like, I'll, I'll say this is constable Bullock or Swearingen and, and they'll, they'll know the reference right away. Or I'll, I'll reference justified all the time, or I'll reference all these other shows that I know we're all talking about and, and, so just to put those names in there, just to have a lot of fun with, or whatever book we happen to be reading. Cause like, I just got done reading ready player one and that was all about Easter eggs in games and things mm-hmm. like that. And throwing in, that's what the whole thing is about. And I just thought, yeah, that's really cool. Or putting in something that has to do with, you know, Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory, or just like small references that not enough that it derails every, anything, but enough that people get a chuckle or a laugh or they think, Oh, okay. So we're, we're going to save the the chocolate farm of Mr. Wonka. Okay, we yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah, know, Christmas games are like that for me, where I've done a lot of Christmas games where it's like Santa is kidnapped or something. And so you have, yeah, yeah you just start like like doing just funny 
silly things like that. But yeah, or yard gnomes. That was yeah. another one I was thinking about having a yard gnomes attack my so that they were like and like the gnomes get offended, like the real gnomes get offended. Who are these people? Why are you calling them yard gnomes? Why are they attacking us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, and then I ran my uh, home game um, and there was nothing really special about that. Uh, it was just kind of a, another game. They're, they're slowly getting through this dungeon. They fought um, some slod, slotty, and uh, that was that, that was really creature. exciting. Say what? I love slot. No, Those yeah. are super cool creatures. They're, they're super fun. Um, they actually did a really good job of... Uh, there were four creatures in like test tubes being studied and two of them were slotty and two of them were some fae creatures from uh, Tome of Beasts. And the Tome of Beasts uh, were evil, but the slod were neutral. So the paladin used divine sense and was like, well, these two are not evil, but these two are evil. And they ended up befriending the slod and uh, tried to get them home. They're like, how can we send these slod home? And like, and it was it was unexpected, I guess. And so that's another thing to talk about where I was, I was very much like, we're going to have a fight against these four monsters, but they totally made it, you know, them plus the slot versus the two evil ones. And then they figured out ways to like help the slot home. So by the end of it, I said, you, they ended up getting a slot uh, mind crystal or the slot have like these gems in their head. And I said, you ended up getting one of those and you're able to summon a slot for help for like 1d6 ah, rounds nice. so that's going to be interesting in the future when they have this uh they called it the slod pokeball and they're able to like throw it into the game and summon their slod to help them fight for um, a certain amount of rounds so we'll see where that goes in the future they've got a couple of really big fights coming up so i'm excited to see uh how they're going to handle it yeah i think that would be a fun version of a dungeons and dragons game where it was pokeball people that go around or they have something that they throw out and then it fights for them mm -hmm. and that's the game so like you have your adventure party they each one of them has their unique selection of one or two maybe a third thing maybe they can only throw one out at a time or something but then the 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 strategy and the fun for them is either finding more finding a way to power up the ones they have or what is the strategy and i need to throw the right one for the right fight that we're in to do and then you know having a whole adventure based on that i think that'd be pretty fun even though you know like it's a card game it was a kid's show but there's still a lot of fun there to be is, had in, in a concept of that there is a tabletop role-playing game of pokemon oh, so I, I don't doubt it yeah. yeah no and i i hear it's actually really fun i've never played it but it it sounds really interesting so we got to play some of these other games i've got so many games i keep i just did another kickstarter i gotta start <laughs> playing some more games did you do the invisible sun kickstarter at all I did not. That yeah. one was expensive. Yeah, that no, one... and that was the same and thing. I was worked... really interested in it, but for $250 to get the base game was a little too much, but it looked really cool. So This one, cool. which was their best game ever, Kickstarter. I did that one. Um, I did their Numenera Kickstarter, but I just did another um, superhero Kickstarter that Adam Coble was showing on his channel. I'm a sucker. Every time Adam Coble brings up a, a RPG on his channel, I like I click the buy button because <laughs> I just watch him review it, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. That looks cool. That's super fun. I got my fourth edition Warhammer Fantasy book in finally. I've got um, a couple more superhero ones coming on the way. I bought another. It's just like I love this stuff. I read about it. I get excited about it, mm -hmm. and then I buy it, and then months later it shows up at my door, and I go, oh. I don't have time to play that. I'm still doing this other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, maybe we need to like set a goal for like we January do. New Year's resolution. Like at least one weekend uh, a month, you have to play a new RPG. <laughs> yeah, I almost feel like I need a Saturday morning D and D show, but then I need like a Saturday night RPG show, which forces me not to do a D and D thing, but forces me to say, okay, for this show or this thing i'm playing i force myself to play another system yeah well thank you guys so much for coming out to the saturday morning D show uh i'm still having streaming problems but i'm gonna call my isp here shortly and figure out what's going on so that we can stream a little better on youtube um but as always you can catch us on twitch live saturday mornings at 9 a.m pacific time um and thank you again just for coming out and hanging out with us guys and talking about pokemon and D. <laughs> um we always have a really great time talking to you and we're really excited that we have people in chat to chat with us and talk back so that's uh fantastic anything else mr lucian no definitely go to the video on youtube that gets posted up and keep the comments going chat was great today but we want to definitely keep the comments going check out the merch store for jordan's channel which he's got a lot of cool stuff up and we'll see you guys in the next one. Yeah, Black Friday is right around the corner. And hopefully I will have some discounts on Saturday morning D&D mugs, um, shirts, and other things. So, yeah, check it out. Um, and with that, we will see you next week on a very special Thanksgiving Saturday morning D&D show, which will be here. So, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.